Some people clap on a one and three. Some people clap on a two and four. Some people don't join at all because they got no rhythm, and that's all right. Some people, they drink too much. Some people don't drink enough. Some people are just like me. I hope y'all forgive them. I'm like Scott and Tommy Corbins. I'm like Pete Southtown, Zan Zan. I'm always speaking my mind, but I'm better off by my tongue. I'm a bad show at the wrong time. Still, I'm a legend of my own mind. I'm good for the song, but I'm not for Welcome to another episode of Two Ales and Hockey Tales with Wally. And today, I am so excited to have on a 37-year-old from Spokane, Washington, a fourth-round draft pick of the Atlanta Thrashers, a former Western Michigan Bronco captain. His hockey journey took him to the USA, Sweden, Northern Ireland, and one of our favorite teams on the pod, Sunder Yuski in Denmark. Um, he was a CCHA Rookie of the Year, um, and he also played 416 NHL games for the Carolina <laughs> Hurricanes, and lastly, represented Team Canada in the World Championships. How are you today, Pat Dwyer? Doing good, Brent. How are you? <laughs> Uh, buddy, it's been, uh, we just discussed, it's been, what did we say, 16 years? Yeah, 15 or 16 years, I think, since uh, the, the early days of the professional career. Yeah, um, and that actually, just as a tale I got right now off the hop then, I guess, is uh, we had played, we talked about how we knew each other. We played three years together at Western Michigan. You were the captain my junior year. And then you left to go pro. Um, I didn't see you for my senior year. And then I guess it was my rookie year. I got called up to a game in the AHL and we played the Albany river rats. And like, I thought the AHL was really hard and I could not get any ice time. I couldn't get any chances to get out there. And I got to Albany dude. And you were the best player on the ice by a mile. Yeah, it was, it, it was good. The, the first year of, of professional hockey in the AHL was, you know, a big year for me. I was fortunate in, in the circumstances that I climbed up the ladder pretty good. You know, I, I was going in, I thought I was going to end up being in Gwinnett that year. Um, went into camp with the Wolves, had a really good camp. Um, kind of forced the issue, started out on the fourth line. And I, I just had a really good year development-wise that year and, and kind of climbed up the ranks to – you know, I think I ended up second in rookie scoring that year in the league behind uh, Patrick O'Sullivan, and you know, that's was right Chicago, there. Chicago, right? So that's yeah. that's even a different different season. Like the how much you improved from when I saw you at Western Michigan to when you got to pro a year later was like, I I was shocked. Yeah, it it, it was. You know, it was different than school for sure. I mean, and I think part of what helps in that's just the number of games you get to play. Like guys get better and stuff like that in practice, but when you're ripping out 75 games a year, that that's where you're really going to develop. And like I said, I was fortunate enough, the more ice time you get in the games, the more development you're going to have, right? Like it's just a fact of the matter. And, you know, I climbed up to where I was 
able to get ice time with good players and, and against good players. And you just kind of, you grow that, uh, that as a player with, with your growth curve. Yeah. yeah. Confidence is, is huge in it. And I know listening to the couple podcasts you guys did, everybody, everybody, you know, talks about that different growth curve, right? Like you get some kids that come into college and, and they're, you know, as good as they're ever going to get. And you get some guys that, that come out of college and two years later, you're going, Whoa, where did this guy come from? And, you know, I guess I was one of those, you see it every year. You see guys like, Oh, I watched him in college. He wasn't very good. And then next thing you know, two years later, he's in the show and you're like, Whoa, it's like, what uh, happened? But like, I, I, one, one example of that would have been when we were in school was David Booth with Michigan state. Like, I think he was like a third line, like maybe 10 points a year college player. And then he had like 50 something points as rookie year in the NHL. And I was playing for the Daytona beach bombers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's a good example. The other one I know is before you got to Western, but Duncan Keith, Duncan Keith was at Michigan state. He couldn't get in the lineup. He was, you know, in and out, play a game here, play a game there. All of a sudden he goes back to juniors. Boom, right from juniors, right into the show. No AHL games, nothing. And you're just like, whoa, where did that guy come from? But everybody has their their growth and their curves, and it's at different points. And like like you guys said, it, it's confidence, it's it's ice time, it, it's stuff like that. And then just finding a guy that you trust to listen to and, and buy into what, to what he's doing with you, and, and you grow as a player and just kind of goes from there. Yeah, no, that – all makes sense. You're starting to sound like a bit of a real hockey. Uh, you got a bit of a hockey brain on you there. Uh, so I guess that's uh, where we'll get into now is uh, where and what are you doing now? And do you got kids? Yes, I, I do have two kids. I got a son and a daughter. My son's 12 years old. My daughter's 10 years old. Um, currently living in Chicago right now. Um, I'm the assistant coach of the Chicago Wolves. Kind of funny how... Um, you know, my career as a player started out there and, and it kind of comes back to, to being here as a coach, but it's great. I love it. Um, it's a great way to, to stay involved and active in the game. Um, the competitive juices keep that going. You know, that's something that, that never dies as a, as a former athlete, but it, it's been really good. You know, you get the three on three matches with the extras on game days and, and stuff like that, but it, it's been really fun. It's been a learning experience. Obviously you think is a, as a player, you kind of know what goes into coaching and it's, it's just, there's so much more that, that goes into it, but it's been really fun to learn. And I've, I've got a great head coach in front of me and, and Warsawski and he, he's young, he's 33 years old, but you know, the guy, the guy knows a lot and he, he's been really helpful with me learning the, the process of, of coaching. So curiosity, because I think you had, you finished with Belfast, right? Um, yep. And then like, I was curious cause you really ripped it up that year. Like, how did you decide that was it? And that you're putting, how did you get the job? Like, how did you get into coaching? Cause there's not many guys that want to get into coaching that get straight to the AHL. And I saw you got a job straight to the AHL. I was like, wow, like that's impressive. But you also had a very impressive hockey playing career. So I like, it makes sense. So how, how did that all come about? Well, it, it, it came about when I went to Belfast, you know, I, I did that as a player coach. Um, a lot of guys go over there and do that. And, you know, unfortunately during that season, there were a couple of times I got banged up. I took a knee on knee and missed, you know, a couple, couple weeks with that and stuff. So it, it allowed me to kind of focus on the coaching side where I was on the bench and I, I got to run some meetings and stuff like that. So I knew I wanted to be a coach when I was done and I knew 
you know, with, with going over to Belfast and stuff like that, that was me and my wife had talked about it. We always wanted, that was going to be our last hurrah, right? Like it, it was going to, we were going to go have some fun in a, in a great city and, and a good league and just kind of in and on a high note. And, and we were fortunate. We did that that year. We won the league. We won the, uh, the challenge cup and, and stuff. We lost in the finals, of the playoffs, but you know, it was a great year to end it on great time to end it. So we did it and just kind of came back stateside and just talked talked to my agent and just kind of started throwing my name around to, to teams. You know, you never know what's going to happen. And, you know, I, I didn't even receive a phone call or an interview for, from anyone, you know, and it was just like, okay, I, I think we're going to end up having to hunker down through the year, you know, maybe wait and see if, if a coaching job opens up maybe in juniors or, or something like that. And I had actually debated trying to talk to Western and going back and being the volunteer coach, finishing my degree, you know, as an option we kind of explored, but threw my name in um charlotte had their coach leave late like later in the in the process of it um obviously with the connections of carolina as carolina's farm team talked to my agent threw my name in the hat nothing didn't really hear anything and then you know just out of the blue the the head coach that they hired warsofsky called me and you know hey i want to give you an interview i was like all right sounds good talked to him a couple times he's like all right here's the deal like i'm young i don't really necessarily want a 60 year old coach with me. Um, not, not that we wouldn't get along, but, you know, I kind of want someone that's more my age and, and stuff like that and decided to go with me. And, you know, extremely fortunate, like you said, guys just don't get those jobs. These, these are hard sought after jobs. Guys will coach in major juniors in college trying to get these jobs for years. And so I, I was very fortunate with it. Well, I, I'm going to tell a story now then, cause I, I agree with their hiring because you were a guy I always remembered because I think I've told this on this podcast. I, I wouldn't remember who was on. I don't think, but when we were in college, you were drafted by Atlanta um, and they would come watch you play. And I was always like intrigued just cause I had never even been around NHL teams or any of that. And it was cool for me to see one of my buddies having the NHL team come and talk to them after the games. But I remember you saying to me one time, like, I don't care what I have to do. I am going to play a game in the NHL. I remember you telling me that and you were like, and you were so matter of fact about it. You had zero doubt. You said, I will do whatever it takes. And that's how you kind of played the game like every time. And I really respected it. And then to see what you actually did, man, it was uh, really cool for me to see from afar. Yeah, it, it was. And that, like you said, that was kind of my mentality. The way my dad taught me to play the game was to, to find your niche within the team, right? Find your niche that makes you irreplaceable. And that that's what I had to do to, to get there. And then from there, you just climb the ladder. And it was the mentality I have. We all dream of it as kids and, and stuff. So I knew, you know, once you get drafted, there's your opportunity, right? Like you don't want to call it a golden ticket, but there's your foot in the door, right? Like they're going to at least give you a look at, at some point. And I knew it was coming and I knew that, uh, you know, guys, guys would die for that, that opportunity. And I knew that I couldn't look back on it down the road saying, you know, I messed it up because I, I wasn't willing to do, you know, block a shot or maybe get punched in the mouth now. And then like, you know, I, I was going to find a way to try and try and play in the NHL and say that I did it. And, you know, I, I did it. So I'm, I'm proud of that. And proud of the fact that, you know, that, that guys looked at it and, and saw it, you know, cause you, you and Vinny listening to you and Vinny talk about it. Like they're your guys little competitive uh, 
relationship. Oh, yeah. you, you, you know, it was, and there was a lot of that at Western. We had, we had good players and everybody was competitive, right? Like yeah, I, I had and yourself group. and I too, like if, if yeah. you get into a three on three game with like myself, you and Vinny, it's going to turn heated real quick. <laughs> real quick. And, and, and that, that's great in a way, but you know, it was, we, we had that within our team. We had a lot of good players, you know, I had a great freshman year come in and, and Soupy and Bishai were my line mates. We had great chemistry. We, we played well together. We knew where each other were. Bish left and, and me and Soupy kind of had a hard time finding that center that matched with us. And then, you know, you and Vinny come in and all of a sudden, like there, there's my flank on the power play, right? Like I'm, I'm supposed to be running that half wall and now we're, we're dialing a guy up for a one-timer shooting, you know, piss missiles off the side there. But it, it was great. And we, we were just – you know, competitive in in a way, but I think that was important along my development to see like, you know, most guys get that spot and they don't lose it for four years because of a great freshman year. And you guys came in, you pushed me and, and that competitive streak and, and stuff was, was good to, to see. And I wish, you know, looking back on it, we maybe could have used the, the competitiveness in a different direction, but it, it was fun. Yeah, no, and, like, there were great players. Like, when you think of my freshman year, I'm pretty sure they had us set up as, like, the start of my freshman season was going to be myself, you, and Soupy Jeff Campbell, who, um, if people don't know who that is, he had an unbelievable career in Switzerland for about, like, what, 15 years? So, um, like, the three of us on a line, you'd think, would, like, really rock and roll, but, like, it's just... I don't know, like, you know, it was a strange how we had so many good players and never really got it done when the, it, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I know what you mean. And looking, looking back on that line, I, I can see why I struggled now is we didn't have a natural sentiment on that line. You know, it was the three, it's three wings and Soupy was a lefty, but he liked to play the right side too. So now you, you got Who three played guys center. Who, it, me and Soupy bounced around between it, trying trying to see if one of us could grab it, and it it just wasn't natural to us. All three of us were were used to being on on the right side, and we just I think lacked that natural centerman. But you, like you said, you look at it like we should have been. It should have been a dynamite line. Maybe the fact that we're all under five ten didn't help either. But. <laughs> yeah well maybe not but you played like you were six seven so that whatever um okay now i i gotta get into my normal routine here because i have we have we've just been bouncing around so i want to know how you go your what your minor hockey's like because we have not had anyone from spokane um if that's where you actually grew up um i think it was something else something falls but Anywho, um, I want to know how you go through minor hockey to the Great Falls Americans, wherever that is, and how you go from 14 to 90 points in, in one season. <laughs> yeah, so the, the Spokane, I was born in Spokane. My dad was in the Air Force. So 10 days after I was born, he got stationed to Montana. So we actually moved to Great Falls, Montana. Um, grew up there, played all my youth hockey there. Um, we were fortunate in a way, like there wasn't a ton of hockey there. I think there was maybe three cities that had hockey, um, but we were only two and a half, three hours from Lethbridge in, in Southern Alberta there. So we spent a majority of our, our playing career going up to Alberta. We played out of a Southern Alberta league there um, every weekend. Parents would jam us in the car. We'd get out of school Friday at noon, get in the car up. We'd play a 
couple games Friday night, couple games Saturday, game on Sunday morning, just bouncing around Southern Alberta and then back back home, and we'd do it again the next week. So we were fortunate; we had a great group of parents that that got along. Well, from a kid standpoint, right? They looked like they got along to us when when we were doing it, but they they were really good. They they carried us all over. Parents would would take kids and help out, and just uh, going up through that. So we, you know, that's kind of going back to my my style of playing stuff. You you look at those Southern Alberta farm teams, those those Saskatchewan farm boys playing up. You know, you we started checking in in Adams. I don't even think they call it Adams anymore, but that that's what it was back then. We'd be you know, nine, 10 years old checking each other. And it, it was a physical brand of hockey and it, it was hard. And it, it kind of laid the foundation of my, my hockey style, but then you get into, so the juniors, I go, my dad retires my freshman year of high school, right before my freshman year of high school. Um, so there's no real tie to great falls anymore. Um, my parents are like, all right, where are we going? My dad calls a cousin. They got a place up in Northern Wisconsin. We go out, we visit for a couple of weeks and my parents are like, Hey, great spot. Maybe we should, uh, maybe we should move here. So move there for two years, play my freshman, sophomore year of high school out in uh, Northern Wisconsin there. Kind of outgrow, you know, the, the league, maybe a, a little bit, maybe not, maybe, you know, just my dad was anxious to get me to the next level or what, but went, went back, made the junior team in Great Falls, um, was 15 years old, 16 years old. When, when I got there, um, first exhibition game of the year, broke my ankle on an icing. So it was touch icing back then. Oh. So we were racing for the puck. Me and the guy fell into the end wall, broke my ankle. Um, and so I didn't, didn't really play a lot of games to begin with. And then, you know, when that, when that happens, you miss the beginning of the season like that, you kind of get passed over. Right. So guys come in and establish roles. And it, it took me, I think I maybe played 25 games that year. It wasn't until later in the year. And actually my, my first game, I was sitting in the stands as a scratch guy got hurt in warmups coach comes running up the bleachers. Hey, you're in. So I jumped in and, and played the, the first game there and, and had a decent year that year. We had a really good team. Um, but then the, the next year is when it, it really took off for me. Yeah. So then the next year you get 90 points. So is that when you're recruited to Western Michigan and how, why Western Michigan? And uh, you, did you, you get drafted your freshman year then of, of Western? Yeah. So I actually, after that, that first season in great falls, I got drafted into the WHL. So I went up, to training camp with the Lethbridge Hurricanes and we had to pay our own way. So my dad came up with me. We lived in the hotel for, it was like three weeks, um, had to pay all our meals, had to pay everything. Um, they, I made the team. They were like, okay, you gotta, you're going to make the team go back. They'd sent me up with a billet and everything. I'm like, all right, well, I'm not, I'm not decided on it yet. I kind of college hockey is kind of an option. So I got to go home and get my stuff anyways. Um, I'll let you know in two days. Went back home, drive home, talked to my dad, sat down, debated on it. was like, all right, college hockey it is. Called them. So the season in Great Falls had already started. I think they had played like two or three games. Went back, joined them, had, had a great year. Um, he talked about confidence, like coming out of that, you know, make, making a WHL team. My confidence was extremely high in that season. Came in, we had a really good team, really good line mates. Um, you know, I ended up with 90 points that year. My centerman had 101, I think. Um, 
and and so we just had a really good year and it was it was early in the year it was november i think it was there's a, a showcase the league did a showcase in bozeman where all the teams go there and you play games and you know a bunch of college scouts and well i shouldn't say a bunch because it, it wasn't a huge league at the time but you know there were there was probably 10 15 college scouts at games and chris brooks was there saw me after the game and uh, funny story so my roommate actually at western trevor cook yeah um they they were the brooksy was there brooksy was there to watch cookie um and we were playing cookies team and then you know he came up to me after the game and you know me and cookie are great friends still are but cookie will still bring it up that i i stole a scholarship from him <laughs> that that weekend right there but um no, it was, and then I went on the, our team was going up to Alaska. There was an Alaska team in the, in the league that year. And I was like, you know what, you want to talk about a great time to take a visit is so I don't have to fly up to Alaska. So I, I went to Western and it was, it was early in the season. I did have some other schools calling me um, and, and wanting to set up visits and stuff like that. But I went to Western, had a great time. Um, Be shy and Gove took me out on my, uh, my recruiting trip and everything had, had a great time. Um, and then the, the last day of the, the visit there, Jimmy, Jimmy Colhane gets you in the office and, you know, starts putting the pressure on a little bit. And I had a great time. It was awesome. I was like, you know, how, how do I not go to this place? So I, I ended up committing right there in, in Colhane's office um, before I even left my visit, never visited another school or anything. Um, but no, it, it worked out great for me. It was, you know, I had Denver recruiting me at the time. Um, they were pretty mad when I committed. Would have won two national championships had I gone to Denver. But, you know, you look back on it, would I have played as much as I did? Would I have got drafted? Would I have the opportunity to to do the things that I did at Western at Denver? Probably not. They were, they were a deeper team for sure, but it, it worked out good for me. Yeah, I always wondered that, like, when I was putting up good numbers in college, like – we'd play Michigan and I'd see their top players. And then I would try and figure out like, would I even fit on that team? Like I see at Western Michigan, they're giving me all of the, like, you're right. We got opportunity. Everything was great, but I never could figure out like how good I was. I couldn't, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and I mean, I, th I think that, you know, it, it came back in the end when I was a senior and, you know, talking to Atlanta on whether they were going to sign me or not, they were like, we really, you know, we don't have a good comparison for you, right? Like, we don't know where, where it fits at, you know, are, are you going to be good or you're not? So I, I, that's why I ended up signing the, the AHL deal out of school my first year with, with the Chicago Wolves, because they were like, you know, we don't want to let you walk, but we don't know if you, if you're going to be worth the, the entry level contract. So I had to go my first year to Chicago and kind of prove myself. So the wolves were with at Atlanta. That was one of my questions was if that was okay. So that was with the team that drafted you. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, that was, it was a, I guess we should talk about Western Michigan a little bit more before we go. The only th thing is like, um, when I went on my recruiting trip and like they set up the stall with like Walton and the Jersey and they got like everything set up, like your player on the team. And it's like the night of a game and you walk around the room and then you see that stall set up, like you're, you'd be playing at, it was like, yeah, you got me. I'm in. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they, they did it. They did a good job with the recruiting. They, like you said, they dialed you in with that. They, you go to the, the dinner after and you go, out with the guys after Saturday's game, they, they don't bring you in when they're playing 
you know, Lake Superior, they don't. They bring you in when you're playing Michigan, Michigan State, and the arena's packed. And, you know, at the time I went, they were, I think they were number two in the country. They hadn't, they, they lost like two games to this point. Like they, they were on fire. The rink was packed. It was going bananas. Was I, we might have been at the same were, game, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I literally committed a year and a half before I went and they were ranked top five of the country and they were playing Michigan like Mike Camilleri and everybody was out there that I saw them in the world juniors I'm like what is this school and they're ranked top five of the country and yeah it wasn't like that but <laughs> when we were there though <laughs> sorry go ahead no it uh and and I mean it's it's funny because that year I committed and then Christmas break rolled around and I, you know, I actually like signed the papers on uh, Thanksgiving day that year, but Christmas break comes around. They come back from Christmas break. I think they won two games the rest of the year, you know, like they finished like sixth or seventh in the CCHA, like just a complete tank job. Yep. Um, and you're I'm sitting there going, Oh no, like what, like, what did I do? But um, no, it worked out great for me. I, I loved it. The experience at Western was great. I met so many good people um you know cookie lifelong friends still still talk to him on the regularly weekly um you know some of the other guys i kind of lost touch with um our class unfortunately wasn't as tight as your guys's class was we we were a little bit different in the fact that uh everybody got along but it, it wasn't like um you know life lifelong friendships were coming out of it but still talk to you you know we had the hockey house and we had dumay and, and those guys that, that were living there with us that I still talk to those guys. So it, it was great. Western was great for me. Yeah, no. And the other difference too, I think a big part of like my class and the, like how tight we were was we were all from the, like within an hour and a half of each other in Ontario, which is very bizarre. Um, like for myself and my roommates, like we were all within an hour and a half, like all four of us. And then we go to Western Michigan and Kalamazoo and like, that's rare, but uh, um, it was a great time. Um, so you move on and you leave school and uh, like, like you said, you planned on playing Gwinnett, but you left your senior year kind of like I did when I went to Syracuse and played six games and had like maybe seven shifts Um you went to Gwinnett and played 14 games in the East Coast Hockey League, eh? Yeah, and so that that was a weird year too. Is it was a lockout year? Um, that was the so lockout. Year, I was going to ask you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So the the NHL wasn't playing. Um, so a lot of those younger guys were down in the American League, and you know, I actually talked to my agent. My agent talked to Atlanta the week before. I think we played Notre Dame that year in the playoffs week before we, we went to Notre Dame, it was kind of, you know, mutually agreed upon that when I was, when we lost out, if we lost out after that first weekend, I would go to um, Chicago and, and play in the A and everything. And we went, we went in Notre Dame, we lost in, in game three, I think it was. Um, but get home then that Monday, I'm like, all right, I'm going to Chicago, call my agent, my agent calls Chicago and the trade deadline had just happened. So they, they had traded Chicago, you know, has a, has a rich history in winning and, and they went for it and they, they traded for Bo Meester and lies at the, uh, the deadline, you know, two guys that ended up having amazing NHL careers, but they traded for those guys. So I was kind of pushed aside in a way of that, that, you know, they were like, you can still come, but you're, you're just going to be black ace. You're not going to play, or you can go to Gwinnett. 
and then was like, well, I, you know, I gotta, gotta get the experience kind of see, you know, from my own perspective, I wanted to see where, where the level was at, you know, to, to have a leg up coming in the next year, um, what, what it was going to be like. And, you know, I, I thought I played okay. I, I didn't play great. I didn't play bad. Um, it was, it's, it's a different scenario down there. Like you, you get in you first game, they're like, all right, meet at the rink at midnight. You jump on the sleeper bus, you bus, <laughs> you bus through the night on the sleeper. You wake up the next morning, you're in the rink parking lot. They're like, all right, breakfast. And then we come in, we skate at 10. So you get out of the sleeper, you walk across the parking lot to the IHOP, or I think it was actually a waffle house at the time. You, you grab a couple over easy eggs, run into the rink, pregame skate, back onto the sleeper bus for your pregame nap. And then you walk back off the sleeper bus in the end of the rink and you play the game and then you, you bus home. So, I, you know, you're, you're like, what is going on? What is this league? But, the, you know, it was a good experience for me. That, I'm glad you got to experience the, that first full year. You know what? When when you were uh, enjoying your filet mignon on the steak in the show, you probably appreciated it a lot more when you understood what it was like in Daytona Beach, Ohio. Because a lot of those guys in the NHL maybe don't quite uh, appreciate their filet mignon like you did, eh? Yeah, exactly. And and those guys, they, you tell them the stories and they're like, no way, no way. And it, yeah, it, like it. And, uh, you know, I'm sure it still happens to this day where teams are on the sleeper, sleeping in the rink parking lots. But, it, you know, the, the other thing that, that it helped me with was you see the guys that just enjoy the game, love the game love to play the game and you know we had a 40 year old captain that year who was a, a first round draft pick that that is now finishing up the career in his coast you know 40 years old fighting fourth line guy playing you know eight minutes a night but you you just see the the passion and and the love for the game yeah there are a lot of those guys that just love it um Okay. So yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, so then you go to Chicago and are you just on an AHL deal then? And like, cause that's basically how I left college was on just a strictly AHL deal. And um, like when I got there, they had determined I had been out of shape my senior year and they, they would did not want me, but they had guaranteed me the contract. So I did not get really an opportunity to say spread my wings, but like, even though you were on an AHL deal, you're not a huge draft pick and they didn't sign you to a big ticket. You still had a hell of an AHL year, man. What was it? 40 something points. Yeah, it, it was, it was a really good year. And it, you know, like, like I said, it was, I was actually on an AHL East coast two way deal. Um, and, and that's why, you know, I thought maybe I, I would begin the year in, in Gwinnett, but came in, had a really good camp. Um, made the team fourth line guy. And then, you know, I guess fortunate for me, tough for Atlanta. They went, they went through some bad bounces there where there, there were injuries and, you know, Jim Slater was, was in Chicago with us and he was supposed to be there for, for the better part of the beginning of the year, developing and getting better. You know, they get banged up. Now you got Slater who's only got, I think it was four or five games into his pro career. He's got to go up and, and play and, stuff like that. So we, we were fortunate. I, I mean, I was fortunate, I guess, in the fact that these guys got hurt and it, it pushed me up the lineup, you know, and, and then that's, that's your chance to take it. And I ran with it, had a really good year. Um, obviously it wasn't the year we were looking for as a team. We kind of struggled on and off and, 
you know, we, we had our problems. We lost, I think we went through probably 10 goalies that year because Atlanta had, had goalie injuries and Burkle, who was it? Burkle, um, the goalie, Finnish goalie from Northern Michigan was there. We had Garnett. We had, you know, we had all these goalies that were, were up in the show and, and then we never got them back and we kind of struggled with the, with the goalie carousel in Chicago, but it, it was a really good year, really good year for me on a, on a personal. Yeah. So it's interesting. So you did that on an East coast AHL deal, which um, surprisingly after Syracuse did not want me at all. And then I did play that year and I mainly play in the coast and we go to the finals. They were talking to me about an, like an East coast AHL deal, but then I was like, that's my second year in North America. And I'm like, I, I, there, there's no way, but you ended up making it out of that. So that's pretty cool. Um, so then you leave, Chicago, though, you leave the Atlanta organization for the first time, correct? You now sign with Carolina. So you have your big year on East Coast AHL deal. And now you're uh, a free agent, basically, right? Yeah, exactly. And we we went back after that year. You know, I I was 100% sure Atlanta was going to gonna sign me that year. We season ended. Um, good talks with everybody in Chicago. Um, we talked to Atlanta. They want to put me back on an AHL deal. Um, you know, it, it was decent money. It was more more money than I ended up getting on my my NHL AHL deal. But you know, I, I wanted the the a, NHL deal, and I felt you know I guess maybe slighted a little bit in the fact that that I had that good of a year, and they they didn't want to sign me. So going into the summer into free agency, Carolina calls, um, says, "Hey, we want to sign you." And it was like, okay, you know, I, I talked to my agent. I was like, all right, well, you know, tell Atlanta, you know, give Atlanta the opportunity to match it. And my, my agent was like, you know what, like we, we gave Atlanta every opportunity before this, you know, I, I think they've, they've made their mistakes. So we'll, we'll move along and, and do that. And it, it worked out great for me. No, uh, man, that, well, so, okay. So you go, to, yeah, I just remember that game, man, in Albany. And I just, I could not believe how you were buzzing around the ice. You were like, and I thought all the guys on my team were so good. And then we get to Albany and I was like, holy moly, this guy's good. Um, so you go there and yeah, you're feeling it, eh? Like, is it right from the start or you got to work your way into it? No, it, it was right from the start. You know, obviously I had some experience now but you're you're on an nhl contract right and they don't they don't usually sign a free agent free agent out of the ahl unless you know they they have some sort of plans for them so now you kind of move up the, the pecking order and and up up in the you know the care about you know hey we, we got to give this guy opportunity now right like we signed him to to try to be in, in the nhl at some point and so you you do get the opportunity that you you had to work for in chicago you know, I don't want to say it's handed to you, but you know, it's given to you to lose. And, you know, so it, it was great. First, first power play unit, you know, first guy over the boards for killing penalties, you know, first or second line, even strength. So you're given the opportunity to now, now succeed. No, yeah, man, you were succeeding. So um, even though, though it's uh, cause I did check this out. My research team was hard at work tonight. Um, when I was scrambling, when you were ready an hour earlier, cause I was about to have a drooler. I was going to have a 10 minute drooler to get ready for nine 30 PM puck drop, but, uh, I didn't get the drooler folks. So I'm trying to stay sharp here. Um, 
is that it took you three years to get the call up though, right? Three years, not just in the HL, but three years with Albany. No, or no, yeah, am I wrong? It, no, I think it, I think it was halfway through my third year in Albany. So, yeah, okay. you know, it, it was, it was some time. It, it wasn't, you know, a guarantee, but the, the, the times were a little different back then in, in the sense that the AHL signed depth guys that, you know, here's our three guys. If somebody gets hurt, these are the three guys that are going up, right? It, it's not like today where they call down, they're like, Hey, who's playing well. And they might take this guy at this point or this guy at that point, whoever's playing well or situational positional guy. We need a penalty killer. We need a power play guy. It was the AHL. And, and you probably saw it while you were in Syracuse too. You know, they, they had their, these guys go up no matter what it is. And, and that's what it was. And it, it took me, you know, two years to work myself into the position where my name was, was one of those three guys. Interesting. Cause yeah, like I don't get it. If you need a guy to play at the top couple lines, power play, you, you'd call up a certain individual. If you're looking for a penalty kill guy, you should call up that individual. Like it, there are all different roles. And like, so like for me, my situation was like, I'm in the coast I get called up to the HL and they're like, well, you can't put you on the top two lines. Cause like they're already established. So it's like, well, you're not a third or fourth line player. So, well, just go back to Daytona beach and enjoy it. Right. Yeah. And, and then that's the thing, right. That's the opportunity you talk about, you know, especially at the AHL level though, they fill those two lines with, with contract guys. So it, it's tough for somebody from the coast to come in and push push a contract guy out of a, a top two spot. It's, it's a really hard thing to do. Um, and, you know, it's tough. You, you look at it, there's guys in the coast that I'm sure can, can come up and contribute pretty reasonably at, at the AHL level. It's just, you know, they're, they're stuck behind that, that contracted guy. And, you know, now can you change your game to be, be a third or fourth line guy is, is kind of where you have to, you know, lean to, to stay there. And you, yeah. it becomes, I tried a, to do like, that. I did. I tried yeah. to do that. I did. I actually yeah. ran around hitting guys and I even grabbed a guy and fought. Cause I was like, well, if I'm a fourth liner with the fighters, let's rock and roll, baby. Look at these mitts. Okay. We got to keep going though. Cause you did way too much cool shit after this. I'm cutting you off. That's it. We're moving on. Cause North American minor pro sucks balls, everybody. And I would hated it. It wasn't fun, but Pat Dwyer dominated it. So we're going to talk about it because um, I want to know how you become a full timer. Like, so you got the call up, which is one of my questions is the very first time you got called up. I want that story of like how you were told and like how you go from there to becoming a full timer. I'm going to let you talk for a bit. Okay. So now, now this is when it gets wild. So first, first time I get called up. I'm sitting, we play that night. I'm sitting at home. My, my wife now is cooking me pregame meal. My parents are in town um, visiting I'm sitting down. I'm just sitting down with my chicken parm and, and pasta. And I get a phone call from, from the coach in Albany. And he says, Hey, and, and I'm kind of mad at this point. Cause a guy got called up that morning and I, I thought it, it should have been me. Um, wasn't, he gets called up that morning. Coach calls me, he goes, Hey, another guy's, another guy's questionable you're going up. I'm like, all right, perfect. Jump on my flights in like an hour and 15 minutes. I got to pack, run to the rink, grab my gear and get, get on a plane in an hour and 15 minutes. So run, get there, fly in. It's the day before the game, go out, have a good dinner, 
um, my one of my roommates in, in college, Eric Dumay, drove down or he, he flew in to, to watch the game. My parents drove from Albany to, to Raleigh to, to try and catch the game. Game day comes, go out, take warm-ups. And so it was Patrick Eves at the time. He had just got traded to Carolina from Ottawa. Um, shoulders a little banged up. So I go out, I take warm-ups. I'm all jacked up. I'm coming off the ice after warm-ups. I'm like, here he's, we go. He's, he's good to Assist- go. Yeah. yeah. Assistant Fuck coach him. is waiting yeah. there. He He's like, hey, grab a quick bike ride. You're, you're <laughs> not going tonight. Eves is going. So, it, you know, it was a tough one to swallow. My my parents were devastated. They ended up – they didn't even stay for the game. They were like, all right, we're just going to start the drive home. Um, they were devastated. But, you know, got sent down after the game. And, of course, after the game, there's a, they got a big golf outing coming up the next day. So they got, like, the big draft for all the all the sponsors are in there drafting their players who's going to golf on their team and everything. I have, to, I have to sit around up in the room and wait for that to end. And, you know, halfway through, coach grabs me and is like, hey, you can leave if you want. You're going to go back to, to Albany tomorrow. So it, it, was, uh, it was quite the uh, first call-up. Didn't even – didn't even play the game, got paid for the day though. So I wasn't, I wasn't terribly mad about that, but that's, that's the first call up story. <laughs> oh, that's uh, everybody's got a story about their first call up, I guess. Um, I actually, I guess this is a story I'll tell now is the most angry I got was um, in the, uh, in the coast, the AHL team called me up to Syracuse and my my head coach Don McAdam of the Daytona Beach Bombers says you can have them like I play Friday in Trenton, New Jersey. Then Syracuse says they want me for Saturday night in Syracuse. So then I go to pregame skate. They say get on a plane and go to Syracuse. So I go play a game in Syracuse, and I think I'm called up to the AHL again. But what they say to me, what the guy says to me is they want you called up, but I told them I need you back for Sunday afternoon because we don't have enough players for the Daytona Beach Bombers. So I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, I finally get called up to the AHL, and now you're telling me you need me back Sunday afternoon, which, guess what, means I'm back in the East Coast. So I go from Friday, I play a game, bus to Trenton, New Jersey, then I'm going to have a pregame skate to play them that night. Instead, I fly to Syracuse, play a game against Syracuse. I am so pissed off that I'm going back to the coast and Syracuse has the day off on Sunday. Like they're going out. The whole team's going out. And I'm like, you know what? If I'm going to play at two o'clock on Sunday afternoon and effing Daytona beach, Ohio, I'm going out with the Syracuse crunch first and um jojo sorry buddy i know i was your roommate that night i didn't mean to um but anyways i rode the mechanical bull and everything and uh pulled my hamstring and still got second star sunday afternoon in the coast so there's that fact for you guilty games are always good games always play good guilty I i got through it but i was so pissed off Oh, and that was a lot of traveling for three games and three nights between the East Coast and the AHL. So thanks, Syracuse, Columbus, Daytona Beach. Great organization. Anyways, moving on. Okay, I'm getting wound up. 
Okay. So you became a full timer. You're in the NHL now. <laughs> Guess we're getting off track. Um, I wanted to know, so you got that first call up. So when do you actually play a game then? So it was, I don't even think it was that year. It might've been, might've been the next year. I think, um, get called up. I play, um, you know, I think it was eight games straight. Um, really well established myself first, first game. I was all over the ice. I was, I was everywhere hammering guys. I should have, if I had any scoring touch, I should have had probably three goals that game, but Cujo, Cujo stood on his head. Um, Who was he with? But no, they, they, they were really good. He was with Toronto. Um, so play, play Toronto the first night. He, uh, he, he was really good. They, I think, I think we won. Or he, he was good against me anyways. Um, but played the first game, played, played the next eight, was doing really well. And it, it was kind of one of those, Laviolette was there at the time, um, liked me, saw, saw the fit for me. Um, after those eight games, I walk in the, the rink the next day after the eighth game I'm coming in, I'm new to it, like call up. Right. So one of the first guys to the rink, I'm walking in, I'm all happy. Um, one of the, the trainers grabbed me, one of the equipment guys grabbed me away right away. And he goes, um, Hey, not a great day today. So just go get your gitch on and just kind of stay quiet, kind of stay out of the way. I'm like, all right. So I, I put my gitch on, I walk in the locker room and, uh, you know, there's a message on the board, team meeting, 10 o'clock, um, going to the lounge, some of the older guys start coming in and, and it trickles in that Labulette had gotten fired that day. Um, and Maurice, Maurice came in, um, came in, Maurice, great guy, great coach, loved him. But I played two games after that kind of for him to, to get a look at me. And then I was, I was sent back to Albany. He, uh, you know, the, the explanation was they needed to get an evaluation of their team where, where they were at with the guys that they had and, and stuff like that. So I was, I was back in Albany for the, the rest of that year. Okay. So it did take some time to just keep grinding away. eh? like, Oh, huh? I'm good. You good. Um, yeah. no, I was going to say like, yeah, I'm good. Uh, I thought you, you froze there for a second. Oh no, I'm just, I'm standing. I, maybe I wasn't swaying at that point. Um, but, um, so it took you a while to actually grind away and then become a full timer with Maurice then, eh? Yeah. And then, so next, next year in training camp, um, I, I really good feeling. I was like, all right, th this is the year, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to break through. I'm going to make it out of camp. Um, got to camp first day of camp, the groups were set and it was NHL team, AHL team and junior guys, um, was in the AHL group. Um, you knew exactly you're, where you're you stood the first day. Cause the message was sent right, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right away you knew that that no one was really going to have a chance to make the team. Um, I, I was they did keep me around. I was the last guy to to get sent back from training camp. Um, played exhibition games. Obviously, when they sent all the all the AHL and junior guys back, I, I moved into the group with the NHL group. But you know, you don't have a line. You're the extra forward. You got the locker room stall that's off to the side. That's the the one on wheels. <laughs> you know, so it was. You all right? You got me? Oh yeah, I'm still hearing everything. Are you not hearing me or what? Yeah, sorry. It 
Okay. You don't don't. Get no, it just it just popped fine. up. Internet unsustainable. So I I just oh, wanted. Dear. to Now you're doing this. Okay, this perfect. happened last um, time too. Just if if you if. All right. If you lose me, just text me. We'll we'll re relink. But yeah. So you know it was tough, but it ended up being good. I I went down. I think I played maybe like the first ten or fifteen games, and then uh, then was called up in in November and and didn't come back. Yeah, and then you stayed there for almost was it like five seasons, like four hundred and thirteen games. That's a lot of NHL games. So I guess some of my questions out of that time is like any memorable moments or like what's your first like holy shit, I'm actually in the NHL moment. Well, I mean, your first game obviously sticks out to you. Your first goal, those are kind of gimmies right um but the 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 first time that it was like not i'm just in the nhl but like i'm in the nhl and i'm gonna be here for a while was you know it was crosby's crosby's first year you know they had the the power play of crosby malk and Latang, like you know and i i kind of made my niche at the nhl level killing penalties so i'm just going out over the boards and and just shutting shutting that power play unit down right like just shutting them down and, and looking over and, and Crosby and Malkin and then we're on their way back to the bench and they were arguing, you know, and, and the door gets slammed and you're like, all right, like th- th- this is it. This, this is, I've, I've found it. I've, I've become comfortable here. And, and if I can do this on a nightly basis, I'll, I'll be here for a while. And that, that was kind of the moment when you look over and, and players like that are, are frustrated and upset because of uh, something you were doing on the killer. It, it was, it was a really proud moment for me. And that that's kind of the like, all right moment for, for myself. No, that's, that's really cool. I, I, I know exactly the feeling. Um, Cause I, if I was ever on the power play, I would never want to show I was frustrated or have any of my teammates show they were frustrated because then the other guys know they got you. And uh, like, cause when guys start getting frustrated and pissed off, that one game, that game you start getting like that, that game never turns around, right? Yeah, it, it, and it doesn't. And, it, you know, the, the thing people don't think about is that trickles into five-on-five five play. That It's like you said, that game never it never turns around. It, it gets murky for that player. But that's as a penalty killer myself, that was that was something I took huge, huge pride in, right, because you don't, you, you don't always get to score the goals and, and, you know, shorthanded goals. I, I was fortunate. I had quite a few of those in my career too, but it was, it was those moments when you can look across the bench and, and you see, you know, top end players from the other team mad and frustrated. And I talk about it now. I, I coach the PK and it's the same thing. Like get, like get on them, get on them. Like that's, that's your pride moment. That's your, here we go. And it, it trickles into the five on five game. Cause if, if they're that mad, they're not just going to go to the bench and, take a couple deep breaths and be like, all right, five on five, we'll, we'll get back to it. it. It trickles into their whole game and it trickles down, down the team, right? When, when leaders and, and guys that kind of run, run the team are mad and frustrated, it, it, it trickles down. So it, it, it's a great moment. You were obviously a power play guy on the other side of it. So you might've been seeing some choice words in your head and, and maybe kick, kicking the bottom of the boards instead of slamming the gate or smashing your stick. But you know, it, it, it's a cat and mouse game. The, the the power play penalty kill skills guys versus will guys is, is kind of the way we call it. 
It absolutely is a huge part of the game. And you're right. I was like the power play guy. If I'm not on your power play, what am I doing on your team basically? And like, that's really what it was. And I took great pride in my power plays. And like when I usually would be running the half wall and like when my power play would struggle for a night, it, 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 it was basically a reflection on how I played that game. And as soon as you have the, the first power play, you want it to go well, you want it all to feel groovy and you pass it around and get some chances. But like if they really shut you down and guys start getting frustrated because like you didn't have a chance, I like that guys get so angry. Like I've seen it guys. Like you start slamming doors and smashing sticks. Do you really think that when you get the puck in the slot, you're going to like feel it. You're going to put her home. Yeah. And then that's, that's exactly the, the, the point of it. And that's a good point. You know, you, you talk about maybe the, the mental side from, from the other guy, but yeah, if, if you're slamming sticks and you're mad, you're probably going to shoot that one from the slot over the bar and then you're going to go back and break another stick. Oh, it's just like, it's like golf, right? Yeah. You, you like, yeah, it's like golf with, but when you're a scorer, I guess, but then you guys are just the ones pissing us off, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? i one of my questions that we never got into when we talked about your coaching was what exactly you were coaching in the AHL was like, are you the video guy or are you running the D the forwards, which for me, I don't, I'm not going to say anything yet, but I would just say that it makes more sense for defensemen to run defensemen and forwards to run forwards and, but go ahead. Yeah, no. So it's funny <laughs> you say that I, I run the defenseman and, and the penalty kill. So, but you know, the, the, it, it makes sense that way, but the, the way you look at it is to be a head coach, you, you have to know how, how you want everything ran, whether it's the forwards or the D. So, you know, it, it's kind of good. Eventually I do want to become a, a head coach. I mean, obviously those, those years are down the line a little bit. I still got a lot to learn to get to that point, but you know, you got to know how to run the D um, obviously being a forward, like I, I help out with, with that. If, if they ask a question here or there, I'll, I'll give my opinion on that stuff. And, and same thing being a forward running the D if, if I have a question on, on the defense, I'll, I'll ask the head coach and stuff, but to, to get where, you know, I ultimately want to go, I have to learn how to run it all. And so this is a good way to, you know, kind of learn how to run the D, how to communicate what you want, what you're looking for on your D, whether it be, you know, breaking out pucks, D zone, offensive zone, what, what you got want guys doing. So it, it, it's good. And, you know, people would think I, I wouldn't know what I was talking about, but being that I was a defensive forward a little bit help, helps with it too. You know, I, I had to, to learn my angles, my box outs and, and stuff like that from, from being a PKer and later in my career being a centerman, um, you, you have to know how to do all that stuff too. Yeah, no, I, I totally can get how you can do it and be able to learn that because like I, I did some PK, like I was not just a power play guy and you do learn what every defenseman's doing and where they need to be, because if they're not there, it really pisses you off when you're forward, right? Like everybody needs to know where they're supposed to be and you're a team out there. And if you're not, then the power play screwed or the penalties kill screwed. You got to all be working together and know exactly what's up. And I guess you're doing that. You're organizing that. So now I would like to know, can I ask another question now? Can we move on from that? Yep. Okay. 
best players that you played with or yeah, played with. Played played with um well I you know I had Stalzy on my team, Eric Stahl, um amazing player in in his early like he's he's uh, you know he's my age. He's the guy still playing in the NHL, so he's still a good hockey player. Um obviously when when you get older you you kind of decline, but I, I think he's still a great player. Um he was great. A couple couple unsung guys that you know I old older generation might remember some younger guys might not but Ray Whitney um unbelievable player they call him the wizard for a reason that that guy was slippery and he was slick um really good um Corey Stillman an, another guy that maybe didn't get as much credit as as he probably should have he he was an extremely good playmaker um really really good on on the power play and and Eric Cole was one of those guys I could I could have watched Eric Cole skate skate for days he uh that that guy was just effortless and, and fast for a guy of his size you know six two six three going up and down that flank it, it was it was fun to watch and and Whitney and and Cole actually had a, it was a forward breakout we called it because what would happen is Whitney would get the puck on the on the half wall on the breakout standing still and he would just turn take a clapper to the far corner and Eric Cole would just get on his horse and he'd just get a breakaway out of it pretty much every time. But, you know, those, those guys were fun to watch and they were really good hockey players. Uh, that's cool. Um, I, you know what, that you played that many games is just awesome. I, there's nothing else to say about it. So here's my next question then is you, you played 412 games for Carolina. Um, so, where, where were your kids born? That's just a random question. Where are they born? So my son was born in Northern Wisconsin. Um, that's, that's where we summer now. He was, my wife was pregnant in the training camp. Um, played the first exhibition game in that training camp. They, they stayed back at this time. Obviously I was still playing in the AHL. Played the first exhibition game. I'm on the flight. Um, it was right around that time that, you know, this, this was going to be my opportunity to maybe make a team um, on the flight home. Ronnie Francis called me up to the the front of the plane, knew my wife was pregnant, obviously um, says, Hey, you know, some, some things are more important than hockey. So go ahead and, and go back and be with your wife, um, have the baby. And then uh, we'll, we'll have you meet up with the team in Albany at, at some point after that. And they, they, they were good with it. Um, my wife had the baby, I think three days later, um, they gave me like 10 days to, or seven, eight days to stay, stay back home with, with my wife and, and be with my son before I had to go back to Albany. And then it wasn't, wasn't long after that. I think it was, you know, five or six more days after that, that they, they flew out and, and were in Albany with me. And then my daughter, um, another training camp baby, but she was born in Raleigh, um, we had her scheduled C-section. So we had, we had it scheduled with the training camp of, of the team. It was an off day. Um, wife went in, had my daughter. Two days later, we left to Russia because we, we did the NHL premiere that year where we played Minnesota twice in uh, Helsinki. Um, but we went over to Russia and we played, played a KHL team for, for an exhibition game. So I was, I was gone like two and a half weeks right after my daughter was born came home for two days and then we went on a, on a two week West coast road trip. So first, I think I saw my daughter four days, the first, first month of her life. But. So you had to go fly all the way to Ru- Russia. You said, or Helsinki, you played Helsinki and went to Russia and then came back and had to go on a West coast trip then. 
yeah, so we, we flew into St. Petersburg. Um, we were there for, I think it was four or five days, practiced a couple days. We played, um, I think it was Ska of the, uh, the, the KHL yeah. league. We, yeah, we, we played them. It was, a it was an absolute circus. Um, they neon Eric Stahl got need on need the first shift. They pulled him from the game. They ran Cam Ward. So after like five minutes of the game cam wards pulled we we ran like two lines the whole game right so it's us fourth liners just out there every other shift grinding away it, it was it was a little wild and you know it was it was a big production for them so you know it was like winning the stanley cup they actually beat us that night it was like winning the stanley cup for them but we were just sitting there like maurice is on the bench and he's like hey like everybody just gets out of this game without an injury i don't care if they beat us 10 nothing like let's just get out of here and get on the plane. And we went, so we went from there to um, Helsinki where we played Minnesota twice and then Helsinki and they kind of based it right. I think we had three or four fins on our team and Minnesota had, you know, three or four on, on their team. So it was a, a big production there. And, and that, that was really fun. Yeah, that would be, I, I never did make it to Finland. Um, okay. Next question. Cause you did get to play for your country. Um, I know back at Western Michigan, like you, you really did want to play for the world juniors. You got to go for, um, training camps at least once or twice. Um, and like, obviously that's a dream of any kid, but instead of world juniors, which, you know, it's junior age, you know, and it, it would be, it would have been cool, but like, it's like, you talk about the bell curve playing in the world championships means you had, a more successful career and you got to play for team USA in the world championship. So what was that like? And where was the tournament? It, it, it was great. You know, every, every kid wants to to put on their, their country's Jersey. Um, and I, I was fortunate, like you said, it was my sophomore year. I got cut from the world junior team and it, it was, it was pretty devastating, right? Like I was down on it. It was something I wanted to do, you know, that's kind of when you're at that age, that's, that's the pinnacle of it. Um, and I didn't get to do it, but, you know, a couple of years into my career, I, I got to go to Helsinki uh, again and uh, represent USA in, in the world championships. And it, it was an awesome time. It was a great time. Um, great group of guys. We kind of had an unfortunate bounce where we, we should have done better than we did. Um, we, were, we were up on Finland. I think it was two to one with like three or four minutes left in the game. Um, they go in, they shoot a puck, goes off the back wall. Jimmy Howard loses sight of it, bounces out in front. No one knows where it is except for, for the one Finnish guy tucks it. And uh, they ended up beating us in overtime and, and we were out of the tournament. But it, it was it was a great opportunity. I loved it. Um, later in my career, the, the next two years after after I represented, I was asked again. Unfortunately, the one year I had a, had a broken foot and, and couldn't go and then you know, the, the year after that, it was a, it was a pretty tough year in, in Carolina. Um, a lot of frustration and I just wanted a break from the game at that point. So I, I didn't go that year either, but it was, it was something I'm, I'm really happy that I did. And looking back on it now, I, I wish I could have done it the, the, the one year with the foot. And then, you know, regrettably the year that I, I did turn it down. I, I wish I, I would have done it. Yeah, no, I, I understand that. I, you know, playing for your country is 
I and but I also get the frustration of a season and especially when you're losing and things can get really down and the last thing you want to do is just play hockey when you get like you're like me you you Vinny myself we're all the same we just got we're so we were so into it we're so into everything about it that like if you're losing you're not in a good mood like you it's hard to it's 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 hard to be up for stuff but you're 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 as competitive as all of us you're just uh you're the class before us right so um here we go next question you go there from you end it with carolina so now we're going to sweden moto so how does it end with carolina and then you get to moto well, so what happened in, in Carolina was my last year there, I had, uh, I had groin or uh, abdominal issues, right? So I, I had to have abdominal surgery. So the last, like last hernia? two months of the year. Hernia surgery? Yeah, yeah. So, so sports hernia and then my, my one groin had to be fixed too. So it was the last two months of the year where they, they were long and, and hard and I, I battled through it. It wasn't comfortable. It was one of those like you, you would have to go warm up for for 15 20 minutes before you you really felt good skating and stuff like that so it, it was a long year um i battled through it because it was a contract year for me um trade trade deadline came around and i actually i was scratched on on deadline day um told i wasn't allowed we're we're in chicago um they scratched me they scratched me the night before or two nights before in long island um ask them no 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 nothing so then get to chicago deadline day i get scratched um walk in the room the assistant coach grabs me and goes there's a good chance you're going to be walking across the hall so you're not allowed in any meetings or anything like that this morning um so i i kind of knew from there that something was a brew um went went back to the hotel talked to my agents i know some some teams inquired on me um and it just not, nothing ever happened. Um, Chicago won the cup that year too, just for the record. Um, but so the se- season ended, um, they, they offered me a one-year contract extension at that point. Um, you know, fr- frustration of a long year again and then missing the playoffs again was, was tough. And I, I felt at that point in my career, I had given a lot to the organization, I, everything I had. And at that point I, I wanted some, it wasn't about money. It was more about term and, and some comfortability with my family. I wanted, you know, at least a two year deal out of it. I, I wasn't asking for eight years or anything like that. I just felt like a, you know, a couple more years of security would have, would have been nice. We couldn't, couldn't come to terms. Um, you know, we, we thought we had a good feel on the market with the, the teams that tried to acquire me at the deadline and, and everything like that. And unfortunately, you know, not just for me, but kind of that fourth line guy, that was the year that, that those guys, we just kind of fell out of the league, right? League went younger, you know, there was me, Jimmy Slater, you know, all those guys that still could have played in the NHL and contributed, but we, we maybe had priced ourselves out of the league a little bit where, you know, they could go younger and, and cheaper for, for a guy to play on the fourth line. And we just, there, there was no traction for, for guys with our skill set anymore. So went to Phoenix on a, a tryout that year and, and camp. And it just, you know, with the timing of the surgery, like it, it just wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. I, I went, I was scheduled to play the first, first exhibition game that day or that's that camp. And I, 
we bag skated a couple of days before and I could barely, my groins were so bad. I could barely tie my skates. So like, you know, I had to talk, go on the tip and I'm like, Hey, like, I'm, I'm, you know, I want to play this game, but I also don't want to screw you guys. I, I, I honestly don't think I'm going to make it through this game. And, you know, they, they were understand like understanding with it. They, they liked my camp still at that point. Um, and we just, we couldn't come to a, a deal in, in the AHL. They wanted me to go on a, on a PTO. And I, you know, once again, thought I, I deserved, you know, an actual contract before I was going to go to Springfield, Massachusetts. Um, so just didn't happen. Um, went back home, kind of continued with the rehab and, until I started feeling better and moto called. Um, it was later in the year, maybe de- December and wow. went, went over there and it, it was, it was good. It was, it was a great town, um, small town, working town, um, very passionate. Sweden's very passionate about their hockey. Um, and unfortunately, by the time I got there, we were already in relegation. And <clears throat> there was just, there was no way we were climbing out of that hole. Um, we, we had a really good team. Like you looked at the group of the guys we had, um, should have been better than we were. It was just, we were hodgepodge, right? Nothing fit. We had, we had a lot of good players and, and nobody had chemistry. And it, it was, you know, frustrating to watch games at times. No, that happens. But the one thing I wanted to give, go back to, cause like sometimes I think I should write down notes or something, but like <clears throat> when you, cause I know you, <clears throat> when you, sorry for burping the mic again, folks. Um, when you had to go into Tippett's office to say that, I bet you that was the hardest thing. Cause I know you. I know how hard you worked to get there. I know everything you sacrificed and how hard I could tell the way you like that. It stuck with me that my whole life that you like just were determined you were going to make it. And you did Um, like when you had to go in there and say like, I can't go. And you're in the middle of a tryout. I was the same way in a tryout, right? Like it starts when you're a little kid, when you're in a tryout, like, you are trying like almost too hard because you're, 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 you're wanting to show everybody how hard you can try Um, for you to have to go in and say, I can't play. And you probably knew what that meant. That sucks. eh? Yeah. And it, it, it stung for sure. But you know, at, at the same point, I knew where I was with it and, and the way it was feeling and, you know, I knew there were other guys that were younger kids that, you know, are, are in the same opportunity. They're trying to make names for themselves and, and everything like that. And, you know, yeah, could I go play and, and, you know, maybe get a first period in and then can't go anymore. And now I'm hurt and the team's playing shorthanded and, and stuff and an opportunity for another guy. Did I know, you know, that the talk with, with Tippett was really good. And, you know, he, he liked me. He'd obviously seen me through my career and, you know, he, he was willing. He's like, well, you know, well, let's give it a little bit and, and see, and, you know, maybe we'll get you in some other games, but, you know, management wanted to get camped down. And obviously when a guy on a PTO isn't ready, they're not, you know, they don't want to pay for you to rehab and, and, and stuff like that until you're ready to give you a shot. But, you know, it, it's, it's funny how one door closes another door open because funny thing with that story is, is when I pulled myself out, the guy they put in is Jordan Martinuk. Martinuk goes into LA, scores a shorthanded goal, makes the team that year. Now he's a full-time guy, right? Like, yeah, you, you just, you, you don't know how, how it goes. Right. So it, my door closed was his, his door opening. It, it, it's funny how that stuff works. It does. It's all in, 
and it is weird, especially doing this podcast. When I start talking to people, like all the different, like you said, doors opening and closing. Okay, so you went to Moto. It was all. It was all whatever. Did the family go over there? Yep, fam- family came with me. That's um, good. That's yeah, a good, good league, though, eh? The, 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 yeah, re- really good league. Um, amazing how many people don't realize how defensive of a league it is. It, it's a super defensive league for the, the amount of skill that Sweden has in it, its players. Um, super defensive. If, it, if it's not a two-man forecheck, we're setting up in the controlled forecheck. You get in the zone. You could, you could cycle around that league for three minutes at a time because they just pack the house. They're just they're five in the house. You, you can cycle all day and night there. But the second you try to take it to the net, you're going through five guys. They, they block everything. It, I, I don't know if you were – you remember the one year we played Michigan and their PK was they just – they slammed four guys in the, in the house and they all just laid out and you're, you're shooting at three, three guys. That, that's how Sweden was. It, it was wild how defensive it was. Yeah, we did it the next week. We started trying to do it. I remember that. Uh, anyways – um okay sorry got sidetracked okay so then after uh moto and that defensive league um you went to uh the back to the ahl before you get to sundar yuski which i think we've talked about the hl enough so you went there to mentor the young kids and start becoming a coach like you are now right yeah, that, that, that was the essence of it. Um, I actually went to Columbus on, an, on another PTO that year, had a really good camp. Um, I thought I probably could have made the team. Didn't, went to Cleveland. Um, same thing, couldn't come to terms on a deal. Carolina called. It was like, all right, come mentor the kids. Went there, went there for a year and, and mentored the, the young yeah. fellows. Okay, so then... This is my, this has got to be the most curious question I got for the day because now after all that, after everything we've discussed, folks, he is now down to Wally's leagues. He is now down to Sundar Yuski in, uh, in Denmark and beautiful voyance Denmark. Um, so what did you get up to there in your spare time? Did you have a great time? Yeah, I, I loved it. It was great. Um, we were fortunate. They got they got us a little house out in the, the outskirts. We had a, a beautiful Say what? little you house. Got a there. house? Um, you got a house? What yeah, a joke. They, These NHL players, yeah. they get all the bells and whistles, eh? These NHL players. What a joke. Yeah, it, it was great. I loved it. Um you know, my kids were a little bit older at, at that point. So they were in, um, daughter was playing handball there at the, the gymnasium across from the rink. Um, my son was, was playing for the, who back then it had to be like the U10s, U11s maybe back then um, at the rink. So as, as far as free time went, we, we did a lot of, uh, a lot of sports activities for kids. And like one, one thing people don't realize there is you, you practice at night, right? So it, it's not like your, your free times in the evenings, you, you practice at five o'clock at night. Cause you know, half the team had regular jobs. Um, so the, the mornings were there, there was no international school there or anything. So the mornings we, uh, we taught math, science and reading. And then, uh, 
in the evenings you went to practice, you'd, you'd come home from practice, eat dinner and go to bed really. Okay. So your kids were like grown up when you went over there, like Colby was, uh, he was like one years old when we were there. Zoe wasn't born and it was like, yeah, no, I, okay. Um, so you were in a house on the outskirts, eh? I wasn't on the outskirts, but it is a beautiful town. Great people. Um, and I actually won a championship there. We actually won gold helmets. So yeah, like I really enjoyed it. I just found it interesting because we both were in college together and then you went your path and then I went my path and that you, we both ended, ended up in Sunder Yuski. Um, I just found it interesting is all. And how did you make that decision to who's the GM there? Is it Kim? Is Kim the GM there? Yeah. So Kim, Kim was the GM, Dan Seaman was the coach. Um, and it was, it was one of those things. I, you know, we, we waited, right. It come, we had some offers to, to other leagues in, in the Dell and, and Switzerland in the summertime. Um, kind of gave it one more kick at the can, um, had a decent finish to my, my year before in the A, um, started out extremely slow, but was a point of game guy for the, the last half of the season, thought maybe there'd be a chance to stay in North America, didn't happen, um, you know, and, and once you miss that first wave of, of European hockey, you got to wait to the second one, right? Like there, there, there's kind of three waves in Europe, there's a summer wave, there's that, you know, about two months in when maybe some of the signings didn't pan out or guys yeah. get injured or something like that. There's kind of the second wave. And then there's the, the transfer wave, right? The, the last moves before the transfer close, but waited till the second wave. Um, actually thought we were going to Ingolstadt and, and the Dell, um, maybe got a little greedy, tried to get a little bit more money out of them. And they, uh, they, they went a different route and, you know, Kim called, um, with, with an offer, it, it, we researched it. It, it sounded fun. It, it was, you know, the, the tail end of my career where maybe it wasn't so much about, about, um, you know, what level of competition or what league you're in anymore and, and more about, you know, life experiences and, and an opportunity to see different parts of the world. And it, it sounded great. Kim was a great guy. Um, and it just was an easy fit. Uh, Kim is, Kim is one of the best guys I've met in hockey. I've been trying to figure out his email or where to find him, but like, he's a guy that needs to come on here. Like he was my captain when I was there and now he's the GM. So um, yeah, he's a, he, he was a great dude. Uh, Dan Seaman's been on the podcast. So Kim, I don't know what your problem is. Pat and Dan have been on here. So Kim, you're being called out. So um, anyways, yeah, Voyance was good. So you guys didn't win it though. And have you ever heard of the playoff format they have there? Did you know what it was? Did you hear about it? No, I, I didn't. And we, we went so wild things. Dan Seaman got, we ended up getting Dan fired that year. Like we, we struggled. Um, they ended up firing Dan maybe with a, a month or two left in the season. Um, and back, back to Kim, I, I believe I just saw Kim just retired. He, uh, he, he's moving on into the business world, I guess. So he, he's done being, being the GM. He retired. He's, he's moving on. But, um, no, we got, we got Dan fired um, based, based on poor performance from, from the players. But we went into the playoffs, and uh, little did I know it was like a best of three, right, in the, in the first round. You're, 
Oh, were you guys in like, were you guys in like a pre-playoff or something? Were you guys like, like, like eighth place or something? So my story. Yeah, yeah, we were, we were, we were down there. Okay. So I, sorry, I, I don't know. So what the way it worked when I was there, we were good and he was the coach and Kim was the captain, but like, so my story is that in the Danish league is the top eight teams are done and they make the playoffs. The first seed out of the fourth to eighth seed get to pick whoever they want to play. They actually get to pick. They could pick the fifth seed to play the first seed. And that's actually what we did the year we won. Cause two of their top scores bet against themselves to lose like actually, and got like fired and couldn't play hockey anymore because they bet against their own team, like Pete Rose or something. And we, we played against the fifth place team when we finished first, that's the day. Yeah. And then, yeah. And, and that was, that was still there when we were there. Um, but I think it was the top six made it. And then eight through 12 or whatever played for those final two spots. And then, um, they, they picked from there. Um, but yeah, we, we were, to, to be honest with you, I think the, the same thing kind of happened that late year because the, the number one team, they didn't want to play us. So they, it was some, it was something wild. We ended up playing like somebody else. We were the last place team and we ended up playing like, yeah, we ended up playing like the four seed. Um, still lost, but yeah. Well, like, it, do you it, imagine? It's wild. I've never, and, and they're. Imagine in the NHL, yeah, like no, the and, first and they're, overall they're, seed. Yeah. Pick who you want, but no, it, it, it's wild. There's a lot that goes into it. Like they, they, um, you know, they do a lot of research on it. Like you said, you picked them because of the, the players, but no, they, they would, I remember our coach was breaking down teams on who he would have picked and it, it's him and Kim were, they were diving into it pretty hard where, you know, I, I would maybe just look at the records. Who'd we beat during the season? That's who we were playing, but they, uh, they do a lot of research in that. <laughs> okay. I guess we're getting down to the end though, because now we're through Sunder Yuski. And uh, so Kim's done. That's uh, he was a hockey guy. He's a hockey guy, but you know what? He's just a good dude, hard worker, and he's going to be good at whatever he does if he's getting out of it. Um, but anyways, next question is then you go to Belfast. So you're not, you're not doing your MBA there because I hear they fire guys after one season and they don't get to f- complete the second season there. That's what's happened on the pod lately. Um, that you didn't do your school there, did you? No, I. Um, it it was supposed to happen. Um, so first, kind of going back on it is me and my wife. We we were still playing in. Um, in Raleigh at the time. And we decided that, you know, Hey, when, when we're done or we're winding down, I think we, we should go for a year to play in Belfast. I think it'd be fun. So it, it was something that we knew we wanted to do for quite some time. Um, the, the NBA was always kind of like a little bonus, right? Cause you're, you're not going to make a ton of money in that league. It's just not the way it's set up and, and to really make it worth most guys going over there is you got to get to schooling. Um, but I called Western. I hadn't finished my bachelor yet at Western. So my thought on it was, was I'm not so worried about my MBA. I'd rather finish my bachelor. Um, 
So I called Western, called Colhane, you know, he got in touch with the people, um, got re-enrolled in Western, got everything set up and, and it was supposed to work with me finishing my, my bachelor at, in Belfast, but it would transfer back. So I'd actually graduate from Western. Um, cause I wanted the Western degree, went there for four years. I don't want university of Belfast. I want Western Michigan degree. Um, right before we're set to go over there, um, Western calls and is like, Hey, like thing with it is, is it looks better for us and, and stuff if, if you finish it through us. So Western kind of, kind of pulled out on it, which at the end of the day, wasn't, you know, why, why we were going there. It was going to be kind of a bonus with it all, but it, it actually worked out great because I, I saw how much those guys that, that were going to school had to do with it and stuff. You'd be on the bus back or on the ferry somewhere and they, these guys would be writing a, you know, 14 page paper. And I'm sitting there going, man, I'm glad I can crawl up in this, this chair right here and take a nap on the way, way to the game instead of writing a 14 page paper. So it, it worked out for me. It allowed me to have the free time to, to spend and to see the sites with, with the family and stuff. Cause it's a great historical city. Um, there's so much to do there and we were able to enjoy and, and see and do most of it. No, oh, man. It's, yeah. It, it seems like a great city. Um, we just had a bad story on the podcast last week about a guy that, uh, had signed two years there and never got to play the second year and uh, did not get to finish the school. So it was just a tough, tough thing to hear. Um, especially when we all go through our different things. And for a guy like me, that's got little kids that like, I needed my MBA. I needed that at the end of my career to get the next step. And that I heard they did that to someone just kind of hurt, but like you ripped that league up, eh? You ripped it up. You like, so you weren't really a scorer your whole career. And then you go to Belfast and you're, you're just like, you know what? I'm the man. And now I'm going to retire. Yeah, it was. And I, I think, you know, my, you talk about bell curves and everything like that. And I, my NHL career, um, looking back on it, and I maybe regret it a bit because I was a fourth line guy, right? And this, my summer skates, I wasn't doing skills. I wasn't working on, you know, trying to pick corners. I was, I knew in my summer skates, I had to make sure I went into camp in shape and, and ready to play and, and to play hard. So I, I wasn't trying to get better on the offensive side of the puck, which, you know, you, you should never stop working on those things. But in my mind, it was, I had to be in shape, be good for 10 minutes a night, block shots and, and be hard to play against. So I, I didn't really, so it wasn't until I got to Europe um, and, and the later part of Europe, really that my offensive side of the game, you know, kind of took off. Cause I now in my summer skates, like you're, you're going over there, you're an offensive guy, you start working on that stuff. And, and that's kind of where my, my offense that I didn't have in, in North America per se to an extent really, really took off. And it really started, I guess, in, Sunjeski, when they, you know, I, I, in the playoffs had a really good run, you know, I, I really, it, it all started clicking over there and that's when it kind of came into a fruition and then just kind of really exploded through Belfast. We had, we had a really good team there. Um, you know, we had good players, AHL guys, like our, our power play was, was really good. And we, we had the depth that, you know, that that league, if you look at teams, top lines, top D pairs, and, you know, on some of the bigger teams, even top two lines, top, 
maybe three or four defensemen are all really good. Like it, it, it's a good league. It's, it's gotten way better than, you know, what, what it was back in the day, but we, we had a team where they couldn't just folk, like they had to pick who, who was going to beat them. Right. We had, you know, Darcy Murphy on one line, the guy's got 90 points. We got Blair Riley on another line. The guy's got 75 points. And then, you know, you got me on a line that's got, you know, right around that too. And so it was just really who, who, who are you going to focus on? And then they, you know, they picked, they picked the line to focus on and the other line had a big night is, is typically how it went. No, I like, uh, man, I, I, ah, oh, I had so much to say there and then I keep forgetting it all, but like, because there's so many different things, like you say something, I'm like, geez, I want to say something about that or that, but um, like, uh, I was trying to remember, but it was tough right now. Um, but like, I'm glad. So are you on the team that wins it when you're not playing hockey? Yes. So can you explain to the crowd that? So it's, it's the only league I've ever been a part of and, and ever heard of really that the regular season championship is more important than the playoff championship. Way Um, more, way more way more important and and to be honest with you really i think the the playoff championships probably the third most important trophy of the year you know you got you got the regular season championship you got the challenge cup championship and then the playoffs fall in there after so it it, it's really weird and it was we were at we were actually at our awards banquet you know they they do a really good job belfast they had this hotel rented out with conference room all the boosters are there. All the fans are, are at it. And um, we're there in suits and ties kind of everybody's a little on edge because Cardiff Cardiff is in Coventry that night and Cardiff just needs one, one point and, and they win, win the league. And for some reason that year Coventry had their number um, and, and Coventry beat them and we're, we're sitting there ready to walk in to, to get handed out awards and, the, the place just goes bonkers. It's, you know, there's champagne flying around. We're jumping around the hotel lobby celebrating and, and having a, just, just a grand time in, in what started out as kind of a little somber night. Cause we, we were a little on edge about it, but it, it was wild is it the first time I've ever won a, a major trophy for the league while sitting in a hotel, getting, getting ready to have a uh, booster club award show. Um. It really upsets me because the Cardiff Devils are my favorite hockey team uh, for what they've done for me in my life and the owners and the GM and they just, they just got it. Um, It sucked when I heard that. And then when I saw you had won, I was like, well, I guess the Carolina hurricanes weren't winning. So I guess whatever, but like, you know what? The devils are going to win every other year because now that these stories come out about these guys getting cut after one year of an NBA, the giants are in a tough spot when these podcasts start coming out, but maybe you don't know about that when you're playing there. Yeah. I I mean, I, I don't know. We, we had our, share guys in and out that year but like you know how cardiff is for you is kind of how belfast is for me i i loved it i had nothing and you know it's 
it's funny. I listen to you and Vinny and, and stretch talk about, you know, your experiences at Western and every, everybody's experience somewhere is, you, you know, different and, and unique, but I, I love Belfast from, from what I saw, you know, the, the GM there was a first class guy. The, the coach was a really good guy, but you know, like any, anything that that league has gotten better and, you know, it, with, with that and pe- people don't realize the, the extent that those, you know, I think they call them the arena teams, those, those four teams go to, to try and win that trophy every year. It's, it's not, you know, it, it, I, I almost compare it to, you know, the passion of European soccer, like those Cardiff fans, the Belfast fans, the Nottingham fans, the Sheffield fans, like it, like it, it's wild the extent they go to, to, to win those, those trophies. And, you know, unfortunately I didn't hear the the story about the guy that misses out on the NBA and, and stuff like that. And I can't really comment on it. I don't, I don't know yeah. what, what happened, but Belfast was great to me. I loved it. I, I thought it was a great experience. And then on a personal note, I, w- I would recommend it to, to anyone. No. And that's, you know what? The truth is the truth. And that's all, that's all this is all about. And, uh, I, I mean, I loved my time in, in the UK. Like you, like you say, when you hear, um, like, like you said, Bel- your Belfast is my Cardiff. Like I get that. I totally get that. Um, like they just treated me well. They did everything right and you have a decent year and like when you have really good friends on a team and it just makes things way better. Right. Yeah. And, and that, that's what it was. We had a great team. Our team got along, you know, I look at all the teams I played on, you know, in pro hockey, obviously college is different. You spend more time around each other, but it it was the closest team I've I've ever played on in, in pro hockey in the, in the sense that, you know, from, all 26 guys or, you know, however many guys we had in the locker room were, were all good guys. And you, you spent so much time together on, you know, the buses, the flights, the hotels, the ferries, like it, it wasn't like a lot of other European places where you're back in your bed every night. Um, there, there were actually hotel nights there and, and stuff like that. So we, we were a really close group. Um, you know, they were really good about understanding, that guys weren't there to, to make the NHL and stuff. So they made the experience fun. We had the 48 hour rule. Like if you, you want to go out as long as it's not 48 hours before a game, go ahead. You know, you want to go out on a Monday night, as long as you can come to practice on Tuesday and, and at least contribute and not be an absolute write off at practice, go, go ahead, go out, enjoy, enjoy the night with, with your teammates and, and have fun. And it, it, it made it fun to, you know, the extent that it, it just wasn't hockey, 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 hockey all day long. You know what I mean? You, you actually got to have an enjoyable life outside of hockey and, and enjoy the experiences. I totally agree. And that was kind of my mindset when I got over there was um, like, it's pretty obvious I'm not making it. Never thought I was going to. So like now that I'm over here, like I may as well have fun. Like we may as well have fun. Like hockey was originally supposed to be a fun game where two teams play each other and everybody has fun. Like when I went over there, I had fun and I did, I had fun everywhere I played. And when you would have been playing in Carolina, man, like I got stressed out over games in the second league in Germany. Like I would get so stressed out over a bad game. I couldn't imagine if it was on like hockey night in Canada against the Maple Leafs. 
Yeah, but that that that's the competitive side of you, right? Like it, it doesn't matter where you are. If and I, I I'm a firm believer that there's a mindset to to being a good athlete and and to getting somewhere. Is it, it doesn't matter if you're in the second league in Germany, where you are when you play a game, it sucks to lose. It it does. Like there's no other way around it. Like you don't want to lose. It sucks to lose. It it sucks to have a bad game. No nobody want and it's the competitive edge in us and that that's what you know, get you to division one college hockey. That's what gets you to a 10 year pro career, no matter what league it is, it, you, you hate to lose. And that it, you, I've, I've seen so many guys go through the game with, you know, just a, Oh, we lost tonight. Sun will come up tomorrow. And, you know, they, they play five, six years and they're, they're done. You know, it, it's just, it's, it's the competitiveness in people. And it, you know, it, for me, it's anything. If I'm playing go fish with my kids at the table for a quick game before bed, and I lose, I'm mad. It, it, it's it's who I am, and and you're the same way. I, I'm sure you know we we have a joke around the house. There's no free lunches. I'm not gonna let my kids beat me at anything because a then it becomes expected. I think losing's a life skill. You ha- you have to learn how to lose. And then thirdly is when they actually beat you at something, it's gonna be one of the prouder moments in their life. Wow, geez, wow, you're making me feel like a really terrible dad right now because. In mini hockey, I'm pretty sure Colby's won every time so far. And the reason why is because, like, he might be worse than me. He's, like, more competitive than me. And, like, at his age, if he loses, I'm just like, I don't don't have the next hour to deal with this. Like, um, let's just let's just go 18, 18 and see if you score the next penalty shot. Okay. There big yeah. guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I mean, everybody has their, right. I'm not, I'm not going to say I've never let them beat me in anything, but you know, I, I try to push them. It's everybody parents different, right. And every kid has a different personality. You have to parent your kid's personality. It's like coaching. You, you have to coach personalities nowadays, the days of the garbage can kicker coming in saying, uh, you know, this and that to the whole group it doesn't work you you shut off half the room you might motivate some of the room but you're going to shut off the other half and you know parenting's no different it, it, it's you got to parent the kid but that that's just kind of my the the mindset and you see it like i've seen so many good players that there there's absolutely zero reason they shouldn't have played in the nhl other than you know you just look at it and you know i don't even know if you're allowed to swear on the podcast but for me it's the fuck you attitude like it it's just it's, it's an attitude that makes good athletes good and, you know, good business people good. They, you, you have to have a passion of what you're doing. I was, I was taught as a kid, whether I'm fishing off the riverbank or um, what, whatever I'm doing, if I'm skipping rocks in the river, whatever it is you're doing, you want to try to be the best at it. And that's, you know, I'll, I'll sit and pretend I'm the best basketball player on earth when I, I can't hit a free throw, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to act like it and I'm going to be mad when I miss it. You know what? We're all the same. And it, yeah, it's not to get weird, but like, that's like me playing pickleball in the neighborhood here in heritage Heights. I just crush these old folks, just dominate them. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're going to show up in a sweatband and short shorts, you might as well win. Right. You know what? I hobble around with one leg and I can still beat them and they get upset about it. But, uh, you know what? You like I it's it's a it's a mindset, right? Like man, how competitive you get, like yourself, Vinny, me, 
like the competitiveness, like that is deep down inside of us. Like <laughs> we just hated to lose with anything. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's, it, it's like that for anything, anything we do in life. Right. It, it is. And here's a, here's a funny story for you going back to the college days is how competitive I am. We're, we're playing, I think it was a Tuesday in practice. We're playing, it was either three on three or four on four. We're playing the game. And I, you know, I, I walked a couple guys and my roommate at the time, Trevor Cook was on the ice. I walked him and I scored and I, I go by, by him. I'm like, woo. And he grabs me and we get in a fist fight in practice, me and cookie and, and cookie's a tough kid. He's a really tough kid. He, you know, he, he put a licking on me and, uh, get done with practice. Funny things. My girlfriend flies in that day and I have to go cookie comes with me to the airport to pick up my, my now wife. I got a lump on my head. I got a black eye because I fought cookie in practice of a four on four on a Tuesday. That meant nothing. My wife walks out and she's like, what the hell's happening? And cook looks at my wife and goes, sorry, it got heated. No, that's that. That was like, yeah. I remember fighting. I was a freshman and a guy slew foots me in the middle of one on one drill. Cause I got him. I got him beat. So he slew foots me. And I'm like, are you kidding me? So I get up and then I fight a senior as a freshman. And I'm like, this is, this is hockey practice, but that's what we were doing. I think it's changed now. eh? Yeah. I, I think it's changed for sure. The game's evolved, but it, I don't know if we went through a Monday or a Tuesday, my whole career at college, you know, Mondays and Tuesdays, they were battle days. They were two hour, two fifteen, two twenty, two thirty, sometimes hour long practices of, of just battle drills. And it got heated. I don't know if I made it in the, in the four years, if there wasn't a Monday or Tuesday that someone didn't scrap in practice. No, you're right. There was some scrapping. You're right. Yeah, was- no, you're right. Um, well, I would say that, um, you know what? We got to have a cheers. I'm almost done my beer, but we got to have a cheers. If you have one is I think you just got the pod over a thousand games played in the NHL. So cheers, buddy. Cheers. Um, we were, we were struggling there. So we got there thousand games played in the NHL for the podcast. That's a big deal. Uh, and you a, did that. You did that playing with me at Western Michigan. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. That's a, that's a quite the milestone. Wally, congratulations. Yeah. Well, if all your buddies play a thousand games in the NHL, it's just like you did, right? Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Okay. And that has been another episode of two ales and hockey tales. Some people clap on a one and three. Some people clap on a two and four. Some people don't join at all because they got no rhythm, and that's all right. Some people, they drink too much. Some people don't drink enough. Some people are just like me. I hope y'all forgive them. I'm like Scott and I go fans. I like pizza fans and fans. I'm always speaking my mind when I'm better off by my tongue. I'm a bad show at the wrong time. Still, I'm a legend of my own mind. I'm good.